Hey friends, it's Rachel, and I'm popping in before today's episode to tell you about something that has been keeping all of my ducks in a row. If you are a freelance creative, wedding planner, photographer, or someone that has to keep up with clients, invoicing, and contracts, I have something for you. Chances are not all of us have a contract or an invoicing system or somewhere to start, but no fear and don't sweat it because I have something for you. It's called HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an online system that keeps your inquiries, past and present clients all organized. It offers contract templates, online brochures, an invoicing system that can set up payment plans for your clients, and much, much more. It has totally changed the game for me over at rachelautry.com. But if you're craving something similar, I'd love to make your life easier and offer you a huge discount on becoming a HoneyBook member. I paid full price, but I have a 50% off coupon for you, and it comes with a seven-day free trial. Just a little perk for joining us here at Behind the Bliss. So check out the link in today's show notes for the coupon code and a little trial to see if HoneyBook works well for you. Thanks to HoneyBook, I have efficiency, productivity, and organization to my business. All right, here's today's show. Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Rachel Autry brings weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. You can probably admit with me that life is not always fun. In fact, sometimes it feels extremely painful. You might know it well, but Caitlin James, she's a photographer, a mom, and a wife, She shares her moments of pain in today's episode and how losing a child and standing in the tension of grief and goodness shows her God's goodness. I feel like the culture that we live in emphasizes comfort, almost to a degree where we just hop over the pain when there's really golden nuggets hidden inside of dark seasons that sometimes we can only find there. So instead of hopping over those painful seasons or painful moments or things that we really do sometimes have to sit in, we're going to stay there for a while today. Caitlin talks through a painful season in her life, but how God revealed his goodness and showed up in the midst of it all. We're promised in John that in this world, we're going to have trouble, but that we should take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. So in the moments that you feel the most pain, when you just want to run to comfort or something that can take it away temporarily, remember to take heart because Jesus overcame the world. Here's today's episode with Caitlin James. Well, hey, Caitlin, welcome to Behind the Bliss. I am so excited to have you. Thank you. It's an honor. I'm so excited about this. I feel like it's kind of a, it's like a date with myself because I'm away from kids, away from noise. So it's- Yeah. Do you have like coffee in hand? What's your scene looking like? Yes. I have coffee. I have water. I have like closed office doors. It's actually wonderful. (laughs) What is your outfit of choice when you're doing these kinds of things? Do you normally dress for success or are you more comfortable? Oh, I am definitely more comfortable. I feel like dressing for success is like such a huge commitment these days. It's like, wait, I have to put on real jeans? Okay. I guess I will. It's... um. Yeah, so a long, like oversized sweatshirt and leggings is the look of the day. So um, I'm loving it. I love doing podcasts when people are like, hey, we're not going to record video. And I'm like, oh, yes. perfect. <laughs> we, um, we were running a little bit. Our kids actually slept in this morning, which is amazing. Um, but when that happens, that means we sleep in. All of a sudden, we woke up. We're like, oh my gosh, we're going to have 
Uh, we have two girls that work for us. They're going to be here in 30 minutes and no one's eating breakfast. So we were like scrambling. So this feels like kind of the calm after the rush. So yes. I'm excited about this. We can take a woosah moment. Yes, <laughs> yes. Grateful for stillness. Oh, I'm with you. I am with you. Well, if anyone does not know who Caitlin is, then what a shame because you are quite an incredible person. And I'm, oh, again, so grateful to be able to share just a piece of who you are and pieces of your life over here on Behind the Bliss. But would you maybe just give us a quick little idea of who you are and what you've got going on in your life right now? Sure. Um, well, uh, I am 32, which sounds so old to me. No. Um, it just uh, sounds so old. But um, I have been married to my high school sweetheart, Michael, um, for it'll be 10 years this October. We were married on 10, 10, 10. So no whenever way. there's like a new decade, like it's just so easy for us to track our anniversary. But um, yeah, so almost a decade, which is crazy. Um, I started a wedding photography business when I was 20 years old in college and it just blew up like in, in the best way. Um, started educating and now we have over 10,000 students online that, uh, and that is our main job. That's, that's what we spend our days doing. We have um, a team of five people that are full-time um, salaried employees and um, one being my, my mom, one being my sister, one being my husband and one being my sister-in-law. So it's a family so affair. Yes. It is, literally people say, what, it, what do you think is the greatest accomplishment of your career? And besides sharing the gospel kind of in an underhanded way, like through what we do um, through our business, the greatest accomplishment is providing um, just a, a certain type of life for my immediate family. Um, it's just yeah, the greatest thing that my business has ever done. So, so that's the business side. Um, I, we have three children. I would say three children technically. Um, so I've given birth and had three babies, but um, one baby boy is in heaven, which I'm sure we will mention at some point today. And um, I also have a three-year-old little girl who is just her name's Evie, and she is full of herself. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I have a nine-month-old baby boy um, that is our rainbow baby, um, and his name is Graham. We actually, everyone calls him Baby Graham, and I'm like, when do we stop putting yeah, the baby before? I don't know. Like 18 years me, old. Baby Graham. <laughs> baby Graham, yes. Like, we're at football games. Like, yeah, baby Graham. Um, <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have to rein that in, but maybe not now. Like, he's not even walking. He's still a baby, so. Yeah. I mean, goodness, we, yeah, our business is a huge part of our life, but we are really close to my family. We have a sweet family dynamic, beautiful church family that we love and um, really dear friends that we just spend our life with. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I love it. That was such a beautiful nutshell. Oh, thank you. I'm kind of curious, is Michael technically business partner or does he more so just grab the camera when needed? Mm, good question. He started as grabbing the camera when needed, but, um, he is definitely full-time business partner as of, um, 2013. That's when he joined okay. me and, Legal um, business partner. Yes. Yep. Definitely. And, um, and that's been a learning, I mean, gosh, I could talk to you three hours about what it's like to be in business with your spouse and still have a healthy yeah. marriage. Um, yes. cause it's very, very hard. Um, but we have found a good rhythm after like four years of really trying to figure out why it wasn't going well. And um, so, yeah, he is definitely a full-time business partner, which is awesome. 
That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. And the yeah. the neat thing is that you're able to have your husband on board and tons of your immediate family on board. And so that is a success. You can all be friends yes. and gather for Thanksgiving still. Yes. But then also have the business too. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Sometimes like mixing personal and professional can be either the biggest blessing or just something that you never knew was going to be so difficult. So I think it's so beautiful that it's something that's so – I don't just admirable that you should be so proud of. Thank you. I and we are very proud of it and we also know, you know, it doesn't work for everybody, but for us, I think the foundation of our relationships with our family members um we've worked really hard to be able to have very honest honest relationships like not eggshell relationships where you kind of tiptoe around each other. And I feel like if you have eggshell relationships, you cannot work together in business. Like that's just not going to work. So um, we're stronger and closer and more genuinely like authentic in our friendships with each other because we're in business together. And um, But we've had to work really hard to get to that place. Yeah. How long were you and Michael married before having kids and just kind of being able to do mm-hmm. business and marriage by itself? Ah, uh, wow. It, well, he joined me, started second shooting in like, 2012. Um, and we didn't have Evie until 2017. So a good five years of being married and being in business together without children. And, um, and honestly, I think those were the hardest years without kids. It's almost like the kids have, um, put this urgency, like in this stamp of like, you know, you can't just fake, fake it till you make it. You got to figure out why this isn't working for the sake of your family dynamic. And, and that's the beauty of children is like, they, they put an urgency and a like, um, you know, you got to get your stuff together and, yeah. and surrender and be honest with the Lord and stop faking it. Because if you're not healthy, your kids will expose that more so than anyone else. So they, that's the gift. Yeah. There's such a gift. So that's something I'm kind of curious about. And I would want to maybe dive into is yeah. what did it look like to finally say, Hey, I think starting a family could happen now when did you almost feel like that the business was at a place where it was running seamlessly and your marriage had kind of found that rhythm and routine you're talking about. So you're like, we could add something or was it one of those? I think we should just go for it regardless of the mess. That is such a good question. Um, And I just, I feel like, Oh, I could just talk about this forever, but in a, <laughs> nut- in a, in a nutshell, um, I, which you may have heard, I've s- spoken on this a few times on some other podcast interviews, but I, I, not to toot my own horn, but I'm good at business. I love business. Like I, you know, we, we've created a multi-million dollar business from nothing. And, and that mm-hmm. is, I see the Lord moving and working in what I am doing and what our team is doing in our business. And so I'm really passionate about that. I think the reason why becoming, stepping into motherhood was so scary to me is because I believe this lie that um, because I was abnormally um, gifted in business, you know, and, and was doing big things, that that automatically put me in a category of like, well, you're not going to be a good mom because, you know, motherhood- All your talents just, are in this basket kind of thing. Yes. Yes. And, mm. and- um, and I also, my identity in an unhealthy way was wrapped up in my success as a business owner. And so when that happened, just imagining myself like pregnant and like 
you know, doing the whole like, oh, holding your belly, talking to your baby, like kind of the, what I would call in the past, like the mushy, gushy motherhood stuff. I'm like, oh, that is not me. And um, I was so convinced that like, I, I mean, it is crazy what our minds let us think. Like it started as I'm nervous to be a mom. Then it turned into I don't think, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm meant to be a mom. Then it turned into, oh, we, we won't get pregnant. I'm just convinced like that's going to be our story. That's going to be our struggle in life. We're not going to be able to have kids. And, oh, it's just all these lies that I believed. And, um, you know, there was a season in business where, you know, we were so busy and, and I just realized though I'm, I'm 28 and I do want to have a family and you know, I don't want to wait, um, until I'm in my mid thirties to have a family, even though if that's what God has for us, that would be fine. But I started praying about just taking the leap. I never had a moment where I woke up and was like, I am ready to be a mom. I never felt like that. Um, so we really did just kind of trust. It, it was blind trust. Like, Lord, I think we're ready for this. And we had sold one online course, um, or we had created one online course, um, and sold it to several hundred people. And I realized I saw a glimpse of like, okay, maybe there's a way for us to not shoot 40 weddings a year and I could really get into online education and I could do it well. You know, maybe that's our answer for our yeah. season of parenthood. And um, so that was another marker of like a transition that made me feel a little more confident. Um, and so we started trying for a baby and it did not happen instantly. Um, and, and I have friends who have waited four, five, ten years to get pregnant. So to say it took us six months and that was a long time to wait is I, you know, I don't, I know that that's nothing, but when you're convinced that you're going to have issues and your sister gets pregnant on accident, like, you know, she's one try yeah. and you know, here's a baby. Um, and our best friends got pregnant the same way all at the same time. To me, I, th I felt like, oh man, you know, this might not happen for us, but it did. And, um, I got pregnant and now I have a little girl that is eight weeks younger than my sister's, um, little boy. And, um, nine weeks younger than our best friend's little boy. So we, God was so gracious and allowed us to enter into parenthood with our friend, our best friends in the world. And, um, and that really helped us make that transition because we weren't on our own and we had people that were like a couple months ahead of us. Yes. And you almost had them and their testimony to kind of claim for yourself. Be like, no, 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 no. It's possible. We can do this. Yes. We have the community, yes. which is so helpful. Yes. There's two things you mentioned that I love. You said something about basically believing all these lies that then somehow, because the enemy is just so perverted and can do these things so easily, it, it like aligns into then believing that that's exactly who we are. Like, because I'm nervous about this, it's going to spiral into this is who I actually am to the core. Sure. Is, you know, barren or whatever yeah. it was for you of like, oh, it'll never happen. I'll never have kids. Right. And I think it's just so important to point out that that happens in so many other areas than just motherhood. And yes. so if you're a listener that's hearing this, like do not fall for the trap or at least be able to identify when you are Yeah, because it's so easy to do. Oh, goodness. Yeah. The, I mean, don't you feel like that the enemy can just take the smallest thought and just run with it? And yes. unless you take your own thoughts captive. Sure you become captive. Oh, yes. And it is it is of an epidemic, I think. It really um is. of especially for women um and what's interesting in a woman's life, you know, I am reading um one of Lisa Turkhurst's books um and she was talking about how 
you know, things should be able to roll off our backs. But if someone hints towards or says something that confirms a fear I already believe about myself, I am not even going to realize it, but it is going to just go into my mind and my heart and prove to me that my insecurity Mm. and my fear is true. And I'm not even going to see that happen. Like that transaction mentally is automatic and you have got to fight and train yourself to not fall into that trap. And that's one of my um, commitments for this year. Michael and I do um, relationship like coaching, life coaching. Um, we've done it for four or five years now, and it's just the best thing ever. And one of my visions for our calls and for this next like six months is to be more self-disciplined in um, the way that I process and the way that I take my thoughts captive. So like mm. I am good about you know, let's say like a couple of days after something happens, recognizing, oh, you know what? I let that get way out of proportion. I believed lies, but I, that means that I spent three days, you know, living in fear and lies and being defeated by something that I was never meant right. to be defeated by. So my self-discipline that I'm like committing to right now is like taking my thoughts captive, training myself to do that instantly, you know, like recognizing the moments when my heart feels a little bit like, okay, I'm starting to believe something that may not be true. Recognizing when that's happening so that I can take my thought captive instantly and not waste days fighting Satan off with the lies that he's trying to convince me of. So, and honestly, as I've committed to this, the change in my relationship with my husband, I mean, you don't understand, like until you really start to pay attention to how much this happens in our day-to-day life, how much it resolves conflict when my mental space and my spiritual, like the spiritual side of who I am is in tune with truth and not lies. Like that changes everything. That's so good. Yeah. 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 Our pastor here at our church in Birmingham said something so beautiful I had never even considered. But when we're talking about the armor of God, there is the breastplate and there's a shield and there's a helmet, which are all defense. That's like for when things are happening to us, it's ways we defend ourselves. But the only offense is the Bible, which is a sword. It's the only weapon. Mm. And so it's like, this is the only offense you have to fight is just the word of God. So like, are you taking that seriously enough so that when those thoughts do happen, you can almost take them captive and fight back with truth that you know to be the capital T truth. I thought that was so beautiful. And how many times like I try on my own strength to fight it with my shield. And it's like the shield's never supposed to kill the enemy. You know, it's never supposed to defeat anything. It's supposed to just keep yourself safe. And that's cool. And that works. But really our weapon should be first, just the word of God. So I think, yes, yes, I 100% agree. I agree. The other idea that you mentioned that I think was also something that I, and my mom was like, hallelujah, I'm so glad she's going there, was this idea of being ready for becoming a mom and just motherhood in general. Like, am I ready financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually? Like, is this something that I'm called to or that I can do? Is that a lie? Do you feel like that it's almost something culture is accepted to be like, hey, are you ready to become a mom? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I, and I think that it is, um, I, I think it's such a deceptive idea that you will ever feel fully ready. Like if you, if there's a woman who fully felt, felt equipped to like grow a human for the first time, not never knowing what that's like, and then fully equipped to 
deliver the baby and then feed the baby and then keep the baby alive and then get back to the normal routine. Like that is just not realistic. And the beauty of not feeling ready is actually the gift of being able to relinquish some control. Like I feel like if we felt fully ready, we would enter into parenthood being dictators over our children. And, um, the, the feeling of like really not knowing what we're doing is such a gift because it's God teaching us to let go of control. Like my babies are his, they are, they are fully his. And as a mom and as a mom who's lost a child, like I so desperately want to control and cling to everything like that, that I can protect them from the world and that I know the outcome of their life. But the feeling of inadequacy, you know, sure, there are some lies that I have to fight off. Like I'm not a good mom. No, that is not true. I'm a good mom. I am the mom that I need to be uniquely designed for my kids. That is truth. Um, but, but some of the inadequacy is also a gift because it really makes me realize like, God, you, you know, my children and you know, each pregnancy and every pregnancy, you know, the struggles we're going to have. And I just got to trust him. And so I, I think when people try to wait until they feel completely ready, um, in a, in a lot of ways, um, it's just such a disservice. And I think it can almost make pregnancy harder because there's an element of control that comes from needing to feel like you're ready. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's good. And like the moment the struggle hits, you kind of, it's easy to blame yourself because you're like, I was under the impression this is not what was going to happen. And so it's easy to to take reins. Mm -hmm. I think what you said about inadequacy being a gift is Mm -hmm. something that I can apply to so many areas in my life. So, oh, so beautiful. Inadequacy is a gift. Let's own it. it. Like I can't, I'm not enough. And I, I am enough because of Jesus and what he did with for me, but without him, I'm not enough. And I have to be okay with that. Right. And it has to be a dependency. He fills the gaps, not Rachel. Yes. Yeah. And, and and it's a dependency that comes from a place of understanding and knowing it to be truth in your life, not an escape and an excuse. You know, I think we run into that question a lot, especially when we went through, you know, a tragic loss that like, well, faith could kind of you know, sometimes seem like a crutch. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like when you truly feel inadequate, when you truly feel broken, you start to realize that if this was not truth, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be strong enough for me to stand on it in this season. So it has to be a hundred percent true. I know in the depths of my soul that like who Jesus says that I am, I truly am. I have to be, there's like no other option. So there's, there's beauty and gosh, you know, people say it's such a cliche line, but there's beauty in the brokenness, you know, but there Mm -hmm. really truly is. I mean, if, if we didn't have it, I mean, I am a different person because of the struggles that I've endured in motherhood. I am completely changed. Um, and I would never, ever choose to go back before all the struggle. Like if someone said, Caitlin, if you could rewind and have Evie, James, and Graham, but not have any of the struggle, they were all perfect pregnancies, would you do that? Like, would you choose that? And I wouldn't. Like I, everything that happened with Evie's pregnancy, um, which I thought was the end of the world, and then I realized, no, stillbirth is worse. Um, But everything that happened with Evie's pregnancy, I can look back and think, oh my, and I realized like, gosh, I am so thankful I endured what I endured because 
it broke me of so many things that I needed to be broken of in order to be a mom. Evie would not have a healthy mom if I hadn't endured what her pregnancy was like. So there's just, there's such beauty in feeling inadequate, feeling broken, feeling like you're not ready. You know, I'm not saying that people should jump in to parenthood when they completely feel, I think there's a, well, what am I saying? There's a difference between feeling ready and having peace. And I did not feel ready to be a mom, but I had a peace about trying. And I had a peace about like open hands, Lord, if, if this is your will, I don't feel ready, but I'm trusting you. So I, I think That's you beautiful. you have to, yeah, you've got to be responsible, but you also have to just know that like, this is like a serious part of life and like God has plans for every single child, every parent. So anyway, I obviously I'm really passionate about this stuff. So I could, <laughs> well, you I could talk be. about it for hours. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, I wish that this episode was longer because I'm just kind of sitting here soaking it all, it all up. So I have so many different things that I'm wanting to know about. And I'm sure that listeners kind of are too specifically with just the sweet story of baby James. I think you share about it so eloquently online and have, it's obviously a part of your story with just it being mentioned. And so I kind of would love for you to maybe tell us about who baby James is and what that, what that story entails. Sure. Um, well, we had an eight month old. So Evie, our firstborn was eight months old. Um, surprise, we got pregnant don't even, well, I know how it happened, but don't even know. <laughs> but it, um, it was such a shock because I was exclusively nursing her and, um, had no signs of cycles or anything. So I'm like, okay, well now I know the whole, like, Oh, can't get pregnant when you're nursing total lie. That is totally a lie. Um, <laughs> you can, and I did. And, um, and we were so excited and, um, but I mean, at first terrified, but then very excited, like you know, literally a couple hours after we found out it, our fear turned to excitement and, uh, we were going to have babies that were 15 months apart. They were going to be so close in age. And, um, yeah, we, uh, that was, um, in October. Is that right? Yes. October. And so in February, on February 12th, we went in for, um, a 20 week scan and it was, um, it was far from what we expected. We took Evie into this appointment. We're like, we've done this before. Like, this is going to be a fun scan. We're going to find out if it's a boy or girl together, just the three of us. We're going to record Evie's reaction, even though she was a baby and didn't really know what to say. Um, but instead we just left in tears and my mom like rushed to the, to the doctor's office. Um, we called Michael's parents and my dad, like everyone, come to our house. Like we need to pray because I mean, we're, we're going to lose this baby. And, uh, we, we found out that, um, he had a lot of red flags, a lot of, um, physical abnormalities, uh, that you couldn't see early on. I mean, you know, you grow a baby and you really can't see enough early on to tell some of the struggles he was having. And we didn't have a reason to do early ultrasounds um, or genetic testing. So he had uh, misshapen, his head was slightly misshapen. He had a cystic hygroma, which is fluid on the back of his neck. And um, when you see an ultrasound, you know, you should see a little 
black dot in the center of the abdomen. And a little black dot like that is healthy. That's the stomach that is filling with fluid. They're swallowing amniotic fluid and then um, peeing it out actually, uh, which is kind of gross. But um, anyway, the little black dot is great, but our baby, his whole abdomen was black. Um, which showed that he somehow was just filling with fluid. His body was filling with fluid. And so that's called um, high drops. So he had severe high drops. And um, he also had very short arms, um, which is actually pretty, it's pretty cute abnormality to have, to have very short arms. I just, I think it's cute. And so we left that appointment um, knowing that, it wasn't a definite that we were going to lose him. It was more a, we're probably going to lose him. There is a chance that this could turn around, but if it does turn around, there's something wrong and we are not going to have a life with this child like we thought. And um, he also had a severe heart defect. That was another thing. So we did testing and found out that he had um, Down syndrome with a lot of complications. And um, we came home, we celebrated our daughter's first birthday, six days later, and we announced to family and friends, there's like 45 people in our house. We, through tears, you know, just sobbing, you know, shared with them, like, we want to celebrate Evie, but we also want you to celebrate this little boy because right now, you know, standing in this room with all of you, he is a lot, his heart is beating. He's moving inside of me. He's with us. And I know he's dying. We all know he's dying, but we are going to celebrate him and love him while we have him. And we did that for, uh, and then the doctor said, you know, three to four weeks, that would be as much as his body could handle. Um, but that little boy lived for three months. And so I wow. carried him, um, well into the third trimester of pregnancy. And it was the hardest, hardest season of my life. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but also just the more, most transformative thing that I've ever done. Um, and you know, I, I wrote a lot, I journal a lot during that time. I, I tried to do work. I couldn't. Um, so I have a lot written down about what it felt like to be carrying a baby that was just, you know, every day that he lived was another day closer to death. It, which is true for all of us technically, but for him, it was like imminent. Like I knew it was coming fast and Um, oh, there's just so much that goes into that. But I learned that letting myself feel the hard pain and not avoiding it is actually what helped me heal and survive losing him. So like loving him allowed me to lose him, which does not make sense. But when you live through it, you're like, oh my gosh, like it's true about life and any relationship, any dynamic, like if you will allow yourself to lean into the uncomfortable, to have the hard conversation, to let yourself feel pain, to let God do work from the foundational place of where the problem started, that's how you heal. Like that is the beauty of, of letting yourself feel, feel pain. But our society and our culture, like we don't want to feel pain. Like we want to be as comfortable as humanly possible, but comfort does not transform us. We just kind of stay where we are and we suffer. So That is how James has, he transformed my life. Like I see everything about life differently because I carried him and because I spent three months carrying and growing a dying baby. And it's just, it's a very unique life experience that I don't wish, I don't wish on anyone. What an interesting way to grieve too. It's like, I don't know about you, but 
I just feel like a lot of the grieving situations in my life have been instant where life was normal and then a blink of an eye it wasn't. And it's caused me to grieve differently because I wasn't prepared or I didn't know how to prepare. I didn't know I should be preparing. And so for this though, how interesting that you kind of knew like there was, like you're saying, this imminent death, but it was, but you were having to grieve it while at the same time. Yes. How carrying him and and wanting to know him, I mean, that just, I feel like there's just so much tension within that grief that can be so beautiful, but I can only imagine how difficult it is to walk through at the same time. Yes, it, uh, and I can't even put into words what it felt like to, it was, and honestly, um, as we got closer to the end, the, the inner turmoil between loving him and losing him, that is what became almost too much to bear. Um, I, just to paint a picture, like I'd lay in bed, you know, I'd feel him a little bit. He didn't move very much, um, just cause he was so sick, but I, I was huge. I mean, I very, very pregnant. I was actually bigger at the end of like 31 weeks when I had him. I was bigger than full term with Evie. And she was a nine pound, 10 ounce baby. Um, and, and James was only five, five pounds, four ounces. So that's how swollen and unhealthy oh, wow. the pregnancy was. So, um, but I would hold my stomach and talk to him, pray for him, and then go take a shower and be standing in the shower sobbing, like begging God to end this, like, just take him now, God, just take him. Don't let him live any longer. This is torture for me and for him. Just take him. And the, gosh, the tension between those two mindsets, Mm -hmm. you know, like wanting one more day with him, just one more day. Um, but also wanting it to be over. It's, oh, it's so, and then, and then you put on top of all that, the fear of seeing him for the first time. I mean, it sounds awful. Like what mother would say that? But when you're in that situation, it's I just talk all to about other to women. become reality. And you're like, I'm not quite sure what I even should be pe- preparing for. You know, like what I should yeah. think I'm about. And to no see. one, there's not a lot of uh, podcasts or blogs or like <laughs> there's not a lot of things where you learn what to expect because it's so rare. You know, um, not many women. I, I have yet to hear of someone with James's story exactly. So I had nothing to fully compare it to. Hmm. Yeah. What a hard, just what an interesting season of when reality does not meet your expectations. Mm-hmm. Like when you've been through the pregnancy before with Evie, you even went through yeah. a difficult pregnancy with Evie and mm-hmm. had highs and lows in that. And then you get pregnant for the second time you kind of are just expecting it to be similar or maybe even easier than what you experienced with Evie. And then it's not. How did you see God show up and kind of bridge the gap between expectation and reality? Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, we joked about it. Honestly, we were, we were in such disbelief, but we joked because we said like, Oh, this will be our easy pregnancy. And then you know, after we found out what was happening, I'm like, seriously, our easy pregnancy, this is a living hell. This is awful. Mm -hmm. And, um, there, you know, there was a time, it wasn't immediate. Um, but there was a point in this journey where I had to choose sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes hourly to choose to believe that God is still good and he still has a plan. And I, 
for, for me and for my baby. And I, I went back and forth of like, cause, and it's hard. I think one of the hardest things was, um, I, I'm a mom of a daughter and I, I cannot imagine Evie growing up and watching her carrying a dying baby. I cannot imagine that. My mom struggled watching me day in and day out carrying James. It was so hard for her. And she, I could tell that it rattled her faith. And for me, I remember thinking like, this is rattling me, but there's something about the Lord and what he's doing in my heart. Like I cannot fully let myself just be angry. And I can't fully believe that the world is just broken and God is not who he says he is. I can't fully believe that. I, I know that I have to make a decision to fully trust that like, yes, my expectation, this is so far from my expectation. And even if someone had said, you know, Hey, it's not going to be as easy as you thought. I'd be like, okay, well I can adjust my expectation. This was like, I could have never fathomed how bad it was, (laughs) but day in and day out, I chose to believe that God is good. And he has a plan for my son's life. I mean, this is the pregnancy we didn't plan for that. We didn't try six months for it was kind of an accidental pregnancy. We, we weren't trying to get pregnant. Like, so how beautiful it is to recognize that and to say like, God, you allowed this baby to to be formed. I have friends who are trying and trying and trying to have a child. And like, it truly is such a miracle when a human being starts to form inside of a woman. I mean, it is, it just blows my mind. And to think that this little boy, like the world is going to see him as an accident and, um, kind of a, a human error, you know, his cells didn't form properly. He wasn't compatible with life. Um, that's the way the world's going to see it, but I'm choosing to believe that God has a different definition for my son's life, you know? And that, that allowed me to take my unmet expectation and create a new expectation for God. Like, okay, if this is my reality, God, I expect, and I'm trusting that you are going to take this baby's life and you are going to move mountains with it. Like you're going to take a dying baby who will never open his eyes in this world, who will never breathe a full breath in this world. And you are going to do kingdom impact probably more so than some people have in their entire life, 50, 60, 70, 90 years of living. I think my son's life has already had more impact than some other people's full lifespan. And mm. I see God at work in that way. And I and that has allowed me to be okay with such unmet expectation. And yeah. not okay, like I'm totally fine with it. I struggle. I struggle sure. with it still. But um but I see what he's doing and I you know I cannot deny what he has done with his life. You know it And to say you can't pick and choose when God's good. Like it it would seem like God was not a big enough God. If like me walking into an ultrasound room changed his goodness, you know, when they, when they discovered and gave us a diagnosis, nothing about God's character changed. My life changed, but like, and it made it harder for me to trust him because of how upset I was and hurt I was. But God is who he is. And and that doesn't change based off of my life situations. And I clung to that truth. So that is good. I think I heard this before. I think it's so good, but 
the miracle happening isn't God healing James and keeping him alive mm-hmm. and you having the best right. pregnancy ever. The miracle is that you, Caitlin, can still say at the end of it, God is good. That's yes. the miracle. And so, so many times I think we oversee the God's goodness and we're waiting for him to move radically here in the natural from the supernatural. And I'm like, what? I mean, he could do that. He could. And he he does still. And he did before we have that written as testimonies for us today. But like, that's not what a miracle is. That's not the only types of miracles that we right. see. And we have to right. know that he's still, he's still good. Yes, he is still good. And he also, you know, I have to put myself in the perspective of my son. I think James is probably thinking, mama, you, you say you'd give anything to have me back, you know, but I don't think, I don't think you would say that if you knew what heaven was like. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, I just imagine him, like, we are so naive to what heaven is like. And my son's life was like beautiful. He was comfortable and pain-free inside of me and then went straight to heaven. Like, what a life, you know? He he is, he would never want to come live in the pain of this world. He if I had an option of having him back, I want it selfishly for me. But that comes back to the idea of the miracle is not always in miraculous healing. It's in like, my my God saved my son from a lifetime of struggle. I mean, mm-hmm. he, it, unless he was fully healed, he would have, he would have been in a lot of pain and we, our life would have been hard. And I would have gladly given up and sacrificed our life and the comfort of our life to care for a incredible special needs baby. But I know that God gave him a better option because of his situation and how intense it was. So So anyway, that's another topic I could talk about. You got to watch out because for me, I'm the type of mom who's lost a baby that I love talking about him because that's all I have left of him. It's his legacy. Some people, yeah. Yes, yes. So you gotta you gotta cut me off because I'll talk for three hours about this child. <laughs> no, I understand. I really do. I I lost my dad really randomly and pretty suddenly in high school. And so when people start talking about their dads, it's like I want to talk about my dad too. And and yeah. people are like, you know, it's really sweet. It is. It's a way to keep their legacy alive and with us. And it's almost like a really neat way also that we can just show God's glory in the midst of it all to be like, no, I, I'm okay. Like there's going to be days yeah. where I have to still spend sobbing in the shower, but at the same yes. time, like I'm okay enough where I can still celebrate who my dad was and, and you can still celebrate mm-hmm. who James is. And yes, it's just, yes, it's, it's beautiful. And I think that to not, because you know, you're tiptoeing around it or you don't feel comfortable enough or a lot of times I fear making other people uncomfortable, I think is right. also another way we downplay God's goodness where he's like, no, please tell him about what I did. Nope. Caitlin, yes. tell him. Tell him what I did. <laughs> you know, we get yes. to show off yes. who God is. So, no, I appreciate it. And I think, again, it's just so beautiful. I kind of, too, am wondering how has kind of this prepared you to be the mom today that you are to Evie and Graham and I mean, honestly, probably it strengthened you in a lot of different areas of just motherhood too. So would you take a little Mm -hmm. bit of time to explain when these things happen and when grief is real, like it still strengthens us to do the things and say yes to things that we're called to do moving forward? Yeah. um, I think that for me as a mom, I 
it's just multifaceted. You know, our marriage is, um, so much stronger because of what we endured. And, and I know that that is very abnormal. Our pediatrician was like, guys, protect your marriage. Most people don't survive something like this, which is so sad to me. Like you lose a child and then you lose your marriage. Like I can't imagine, but Michael and I worked hard. We had a vision for how we wanted to survive our season with James as um, a married couple. And so we worked hard to protect that. And now like our, the way that we live our life day to day and how we love each other is different because we lost a baby and that affects our children, um, in a really powerful way. I think I, I don't always live into this the way I want to, but I would say more often than not, I live with an open hand with Evie and Graham because I, I learned from James, like I am so not in control. I, I want to be, I, I want to feel like I am, but I'm not in control. And I, I think Evie and Graham are going to grow up with a much more trusting, faithful woman of God as their mother because of what I learned losing their brother. And I also, I think something that's really beautiful um, about James's life in regards to how his siblings are going to be raised. I mean, Evie, we just had the conversation with her um, and actually explained to her that, you know, baby James wasn't just sick. Like he actually died and he went to heaven. And it's the first time we've told her that he died because before she didn't understand the concept of death, but she's starting to now. And, um, and it is so easy. I know it's, it, it's complicated, but it also is very easy for me to share the gospel with a three-year-old talking about her brother who's in heaven. It is, mm-hmm. it, that is such a gift as a parent. Um, and I, I know like if someone listening to this would be like, really, Caitlin, like, you know, you're, you're praising God that you lost a baby so that you could teach your daughter about the gospel. And yes, I am. Cause like more than anything in life, I want her to grasp what Jesus did for us. Yeah. And she is grasping it at a different level than any other preschooler I know, because I'm showing her pictures of her baby brother and and talking about where he is and why he's in heaven. And so it is, it is powerfully impacting every part of our life. And, you know, I, I have moments of feeling, you know, self-pity and like a victim to like what happened to me and what my body has been through. But when I think about the things that I just shared, you know, I am actually grateful. And and someone told me, a mom who has walked through a similar story, she told me, she said, one day you will look back on your season with James and you will feel joy. And I already feel that. And it hasn't even been two years. And that If that is not proof that God is good and that he is real and we can trust him, I don't know what is. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Gosh, that is so beautiful. I... Yeah. um want to switch gears, but I feel like it's just so abrupt to go from this to what no, you like. it's fine. <laughs> um, yes, no. What's your favorite thing to do with your kids right now? Like, do you guys play chalk or is it, are you like outside a ton? I guess not right now. It's freezing. It is freezing, but um, that is such a good question. I would say, um, I mean, this is such a, like, I was always a mom of like, oh, my kids are going to have beautiful, neutral wooden toys and like nothing ugly and bright and neon color, you know, uh, like I, the millennial mom, like I wanted my house to look perfect, but, um, you know, <laughs> that's not reality. My favorite thing to do with Evie 
this week is um, she got a like bright purple and blue and um, like pink frozen castle for Christmas from her grandma. Yes, ma'am. And <laughs> she, and it, it like if you open the staircase, it sings "Let It Go." If you press a certain button, snowflake falls from the sky. It is really fun, and she loves it. And I found myself every time I lay down on the floor and play with her, I see a new part of her, either her imagination or her vocabulary. I don't know what it is, but it's like every time I play with her Elsa castle, she seems like I'm just learning so much more about her. So um, that and painting her fingernails, my favorite things to do with her. My favorite thing with Graham, um, honestly, is still nursing. He is wiggle worm. It's kind of difficult sometimes, but like this morning we had worship music playing throughout the house and he could not nurse. He was so distracted. I was getting so frustrated with him, but I took him to our bedroom and it was quiet and I sat in our chair and he was nursing and he was stopping and smiling at me and trying to touch my face. And then he'd start nursing again. And I just, am like, oh, this is going to, it's fleeting. Like he is not going to do this even a month from now. He won't do this anymore. So my favorite thing right now is the fact that if I can get him away from distractions, I get that really sweet time just with him. So yeah. So those are my, the, my favorite things to do, I guess. Oh my goodness. I think it's so sweet to see just the different ways that each of your kid is kind of gaining personality. You know, like oh, each yes. child is becoming their own and loving their time with their mm-hmm. mama. So that's so sweet. What's yes. something, this is for you though. This is something Caitlin loves to do. But what's something that you are loving these days? It can be an item, like a product, or it could be a recipe or just something to mm-hmm. do. But I'm kind of curious, like what is Caitlin loving these days? It's a great question. Um, I would say a new routine that we started back in September is that my sister and I, and my sister is like um, my best friend. I have two best friends. One is a friend from college and one is my sister. And I do life every day with my sister. And we started taking the kids, her oldest, my oldest, to preschool, going to the gym together, which is good for us. And then showering. It's like a spa-like bathroom at the gym. It's awesome. They have like lavender, like cold lavender oil infused towels that you can. uh, Are you serious? I would prefer to shower there than my home. I know. I gotta go take a shower and go into the gym. (laughs) It is awesome. So we've been doing that Mondays and Wednesdays, and then we go straight to Starbucks and we get our favorite cold brew coffee and we just do some work. And I, I need like that time It's so good for me to do something for me and to also just get out of our home office and be kid free and spend time just with my sister. And, um, so that's really fun for me right now. I, I also, um, it's weird. This is as of like, you know, three weeks ago, this is the longest span that I have not been pregnant in almost four years. So Evie's turning three, which means I was pregnant nine months prior to that, um, and then got pregnant with um, James when Evie was eight months old. And then three months after delivering James, got pregnant with Graham. So uh-uh. I have just- Your body doesn't yet. know not pregnant. Oh, you're right. My body, I actually think my body functions better when it is pregnant these days. <laughs> um, but I have had this huge wave of just inspiration and energy, like decorating our house. Like I've realized there are things that I never did in our home 
because I moved into our house and had a baby two months later and then was pregnant for like three consecutive years. And so we just had like some new chairs arrive yesterday that I actually found on Amazon, which was awesome. Um, and I'm like redecorating our living room and it is so much fun. It's almost like I forgot this side of me. Um, so it is really sweet. I just kind of feel like a new person. So, um, but Michael, you know, we've been talking about like, do we have a fourth, you know, third kid on here on earth, fourth, technically, I don't know. But right now I am enjoying not being pregnant. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Selfishly, I have to ask though, what is your cold brew drink selection? Okay. So it's pretty boring. It's just, I get a grande vanilla sweet cream cold brew. That's, that's all it is. I love sweet cream. It's so good. It is so good. And it's so different. I can't replicate it at home. It's just something special about Starbucks. So I love it. I will gladly spend the four or $5 for the tiniest cup of coffees. <laughs> yes, because it's something you can't do at home. So exactly, exactly. There you go. There you go. Well, I am just so grateful for just you opening up so eloquently about who you are and your story and just what God has done and he's still doing in your life. So Caitlin, I just wanted to honor you that you are such a queen and doing the most at this, but at the same time, just being so humble and just so open and transparent about it all. And so just know that you are looked up to and to be able to share those pieces of who you are with my sweet friends online has just been a gift. Well, it was an honor to be here. Thank you for letting me talk about my son and our story. I mean, it's it really is an honor to get to share that and that people would even ask about that. So I, it's it's so sweet of you to invite me on and I just love what you're doing. Um, and you should be so proud of just the work you're doing to inspire women. I just think we need more people, more people like Rachel in the world. <laughs> you are so kind. If people wanted to see the sweetest pictures of you and your family and just things that you're up to, where can they find you online? Um, you would see the most up-to-date and real-life um, experience of our life on Instagram. Um, and through Instagram, there are links for photographers that want to learn. And there's links about just motherhood and documenting your children's life and um, lots of really cool stuff. So just on Instagram is probably the best way to connect. I think just with the recent news of a lot of loss and tragedy, this message is extremely timely. So I pray that if you are someone that's experiencing a great deal of pain or you're in that tension between goodness and grief, I pray for just a spurt of hope that you would get something to cling to that's greater than yourself or your circumstance, that you see Jesus more clearly than you ever have before, and that you choose to lean in and to learn something rather than to bow out and choose comfort. Because Jesus, if you stay there long enough, you'll find that he is the greatest comforter of all. One thing that I love to do in response to pain is just to worship, to sit there in a moment, to soak in all the things that God is and what he's doing in my life through song. And so I put together a playlist called When Life Hurts. You can find it in the link in our show notes if you wanted to access it in some of the songs. But it's some of my favorites put all together and they all cling to the promise of hope that Jesus has for us. Tons of favorites added here that all have the same message. That is, sit at the feet of Jesus. It's okay to cry and to feel, but that breakthrough is coming. If you know a friend that might need to hear this message of hope, I think you should share it with them. 
I know some of my darkest moments were met with friends that knew me well enough to send me something of hope, whether it was a message, a sermon, a podcast episode, or just a beautiful quote that I needed to hear. So I would encourage you, if you have someone laid on your heart, that that is not a coincidence. I think that that is Holy Spirit led, that you should follow through with that in obedience and send something to them, whether it's today's episode, one of the scriptures that Caitlin talked about, whatever it is, reach out to that person. You have the opportunity to bring them to the feet of Jesus. If you love today's episode and are loving this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you head over to iTunes and left us a review. They're super simple and really easy. You can either click the amount of stars that you would want to give the show, or you could leave a short, sweet message of what you're loving specifically. But we just love to read through those, not only for encouragement, but we also love to read through them just to get an idea of what is most helpful for you and what you're loving so that we can continue to do the things that work and to reconfigure the things that don't. So it would be so helpful if y'all would do that for us. But then even more than that, it really does help with our reach and our impact on iTunes. Um, People are referred this podcast when it's rated and reviewed well. So if you could just be a small part of that big puzzle, we would greatly appreciate it. Like I said before, if there's anything that you wanted to access in today's episode, like the playlist I just mentioned, or Caitlin's Instagram, or her work, or even more stories about baby James, you can head over to our show notes at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. You'll find all of it linked there. I am so grateful for you and so grateful that you showed up for today's episode. I pray that it met you in whatever mess you find yourself, that you find the comfort of Jesus and the grace that he has for us all. We'll see you next week.